name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think we need to rewrite uh, the song, uh, maybe set it to a chant tone. Um, I'm dreaming of a white advent. It's been two days in a row wearing white. Uh, yesterday, for good reason, for the votive mass of Our Lady in Advent, uh, and today for the Immaculate Conception. Um, uh, at the ordinary masses, the prayers for the mass of the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary happens tomorrow. Um, today, we get to employ uh, the wonderful genius of uh, commemorations. So. At each uh, proper prayer, um, at the collect, at the secret, at the post-communion, there's two prayers. The first prayer is the one for Immaculate Conception, and then you'll hear me chant Oremus again, not at, not at the secret, of course. Uh, and then the second prayer is for the second Sunday of Advent, so we're observing both. But the Immaculate Conception... Um, is, is our focus. But I don't think we should lose focus completely of the second Sunday of Advent because I certainly want to make sure we don't lose focus on St. John the Baptist. Uh, it's the same gospel uh, in the ordinary form and the extraordinary form for, um, for the second Sunday of Advent. Well, it, it's Matthew 11. Not the exact verses, but still. It's, John the Baptist is the focus of this section of Advent. He's really the main character of Advent. And he provides a very helpful backdrop for celebrating Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. Because it's of John the Baptist that our Lord says, no one born of woman is greater than he. No one born of woman is greater than St. John the Baptist. Even St. John the Baptist's own words are worthy of our attention because he says about our Lord, the one coming after me is mightier than I. Those words have no meaning if the, word, if the, if the person saying them isn't already regarded as mighty. This isn't a little kid who's getting picked on on the playground who's saying, my big brother is strong and he's going to come beat you up. No. I baptize you with water for repentance. The one coming after me is mightier than I. Because John the Baptist is already regarded as mighty. His clothing is made of camel's hair. And not worn loosely, he wears a belt of leather around his waist. He eats wild locusts. Well, as, as opposed to farm-raised locusts. Um, and wild honey. But don't think of wild honey as coming from Whole Foods or Balducci's or some nonsense like that. Wild honey. Think, think it through. I, it took me until this morning to think it through. Wild honey. That means... Uh, no, no beekeeper's helmet. Uh, it means no store. It means he's actually procuring the wild honey himself. Most people would stick to a diet of just locusts and not procure the wild honey. 
The wild honey for us sounds like the, well, that's the sweet part. That's, you know, that's like carob-covered you know, raisins. It's wild honey-covered locusts. That almost sounds appetizing. No, most people would forego the wild honey. It means going to get it himself with his bare hands. This is St. John the Baptist. This is the figure of Advent. There's no one born of woman who is greater than him. He is so compelling as a man that Herod, who eventually kills him, who imprisons him of his own volition, likes to listen to him speak. If our accuser, if our naysayer were, were flaccid and, and unimpressive, hearing, them, hearing their voice would just fill us with contempt. No. Even the one who would eventually kill John the Baptist... Even the one whom John the Baptist excoriated publicly couldn't help but enjoy listening to him preach. No one born of woman is greater than him. He's our Lord's big cousin. He's his predecessor. So don't just think of St. John the Baptist as a cute little baby, you know, doing backflips in Elizabeth when you get to the fourth, or rather the second joyful mystery. Nonsense. I mean, that's not nonsense. It happened. But uh, maybe forward somersaults. We don't know if it was backflips. But John the Baptist becomes the greatest figure of the Bible after our Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, I'd have to be irreverent to suggest some competition between St. Joseph and St. John the Baptist um, so I won't suggest anything like that because I would be irreverent. But no man born of woman is greater than John the Baptist. So when we celebrate Our Lady's Immaculate Conception, we are celebrating something that is categorically different from, from a child born of a mother. This is not just simply a natural event where Anne and Joachim conceived and managed not to convey original sin. Of course, Our Lady is born in time. There was a time before which she did not exist. She came into existence. Her soul was created ex nihilo by the Lord in the womb of her mother, St. Anne. But Our Lord was so involved in this we can't just simply say, hmm, she was born of a woman. She was born of a woman, and then some. This was an event of God, not merely the human event in which God cooperates to create a human being. And we know the reasons why, they're, and they're, they're worthwhile for us to call to mind again, that, that she can truly be the woman of whom our Lord is born, so that our Lord really is the son of Mary. Mary is his mother. Mary is not just simply his, his maiden, his incubator, his custodian. Mary is the mother of Jesus. She is his mother as much as any mother is mother of her child. 
God made that possible by making her different. And yet, the grace given her anticipates the sanctification of all of us. It's made possible by the blood of the cross. It anticipates the paschal sacrifice. But it, the, the grace given her, the power of God to sanctify her at the moment of her conception, is a foreshadowing of how God's power intervenes to purify us and sanctify us and make us worthy of heaven. Beautiful. So the, the, the meditation I want to leave with you is to consider, uh, again, something um, new to me, and that's how our Lord and Savior, present at Our Lady's Immaculate Conception, involved in his mother's coming into existence. As a newborn child... Uh, didn't even have the synapses to know things, let alone articulate things. But eventually, as, as a man, could remember his mother's immaculate conception and could delight in that absolutely extraordinary moment in human history. And who knows, perhaps after his resurrection, even even described it. Our Lady is credited with speaking to St. John, the evangelist, to give us the prologue, which is our meditation after every Holy Mass. We will have to persevere in grace and be sanctified by God and go to heaven to know the answer to those questions. But it's, it's, a delightful, it's a delightful thought. Only, if only because it forces us to remember that Our Lady's Immaculate Conception is an act of God. God is intimately involved in her coming to existence we don't come into existence without the action of God. So in that sense, there's not a categorical difference. But we can't simply say that she's born of a woman. She is the mother of God. And our Lord and Savior was present and delighted in fashioning his mother for our salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.